We are uh, continuing our series called Friending, and uh, this is week three of a four-week series. And uh, man, just so glad that you're here. want to take a moment just to introduce myself. My name is Justin Ross, one of the pastors here at Grace Church. And if it's your first time visiting, we welcome you, and we hope that God just powerfully speaks to you. We've been praying for you, and uh, we trust that God is going to speak to you this morning through this sermon. And before I uh, dive into the uh, sermon this morning, I want to just introduce a couple people to you, and I want to give you an update on a couple things. A, a few weeks ago, we actually talked about having a yes culture here at Grace Church, having a permission culture, where when the Holy Spirit of God leads you to do something, to reach out to people and to minister to people, we want you to say yes to the Holy Spirit of God. We want you to go and do what God is leading you to do. And so we, we thought, man, we better practice what we preach here at Grace. So there was a couple in our church, uh, Nathan and Cassie Bear, and they were um, going to take some students to wildlife camp. And uh, it's a young life camp for middle schoolers, and uh, they needed some vans. And so they called and asked if they could use the church vans. And so we are trying to practice what we preach, and we said yes. All right? So they got to take uh, 26 um, students. There's a picture of them. That's like a lot of energy right there, man, middle school boys right there. And two of those young men said yes to Jesus. And uh, so we're super excited about that, grateful for that. And uh, they made it back safely. But I will, I'm going to go out on a limb and just say, we need some new vans. All right? I, I, I'm going to be blunt. We need some new vans. These vans have, have served us well, but they are on their last leg, and we're thankful that they made it back. But I don't know if you know this or not, but every week uh, the white van is running to Bayfield. It brings a group from Bayfield in for youth group. It's full every week. Uh, but, boy, it has a lot of miles on it, and uh, we could really use some new vans. So I'm going to say it one more time. We could really use some new vans. So if you're feeling led, all right, I just thought I would throw it out there. Um, man, it would be a huge blessing. Um, I also just want to take a moment to introduce a new little man that uh, was brought into the world on Tuesday. Callum James was born Tuesday, and uh, Greg's little boy, um, Kimberly was here this morning at the first service, which uh, is truly amazing. Um, Callum James was born Tuesday. Uh, he was a whopping eight pounds, four ounces. And when you see Greg stand up, you'll not be surprised that he was 22 inches long, okay? Uh, so we're so excited for the Cornwalls and just uh, excited to welcome Callum to the world. So this is week three of a four-week series called Friending. And you might be wondering, like, why are we talking about friendship in church? And I wanted to just quickly remind us of why we're talking about friendship. We believe here at Grace Church, we believe that God created us, each of us, for connection. He created us for relationship. He created us for friendship. And God himself set the example. There's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. God exists in community. And so uh, we believe that uh, we need to be good at this. We need to be good at friendship and relationship. We also decided to dive into this topic because we heard quite a few statements from people around Grace Church that went like this. And I, I think Grace Church is such a friendly church, but I'm having a hard time connecting with people. I'm having a hard time finding deep friendship. And so we said, hey, let's take four weeks. The pastor team was like, let's dive into this topic. Let's take four weeks 
And uh, let's get better as a church at friending. Let's get better at, at deepening our friendships because we don't want surfacey relationships. We don't want surface friendships. We want real connection. We want real friendship. And so we, um, over the past three weeks, um, we have been, uh, over the past two weeks, rather, we've been diving into this topic. And I just want to quickly remind us of where we've been. Week, when, week one of this series, we talked about the foundation of friendship. And we looked at some of the things that King Solomon wrote thousands of years ago. King Solomon said this in, in Proverbs thirteen twenty. He said, walk with the wise and become wise. Associate with fools and you get into trouble. In other words, show me your friends and I will show you your... All right, we're going to have to have a little more energy, all right? All right, this is a long sermon. You got to be with me on this, all right? Show me your friends, and I will show you your future. All right. If you spend time with people that sharpen you and encourage you and inspire you, you're going to get better. You're going to get stronger. And in turn, you're going to begin to inspire others. Also, we looked at Proverbs 17, 17, and we let Solomon define the term friendship for us. Because I think if, if I was to ask uh, different people even here this morning, like, what is friendship? What does it mean to you? I think we could get 26 different answers. So we said, hey, let's all start from the same uh, foundation. And in Proverbs 17, 17, Solomon said, a friend loves at all times. I mean, what an incredible definition of friendship. A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for a time of ad- ad- adversity. We then talked about the friend that we need to be to others. We learned that we need to be present. I mean, some of us, you know, we, we really long for connection. We long for friendship, but we're so busy. Our, our calendars are so full. We don't have time for people. We don't have time to connect with friends. And so we need to learn to be present. We need to learn to be available. We also uh, learned that we need to be real. We need to just be who God has made us to be. Be yourself. Be who you are and connect with people in that way. Last week, we looked at the topic of unfriending. Um, And we learned that the big idea last week was this. You cannot live the right life when you have the wrong friends. You cannot live the right life when you have the wrong friends. And we wrestled with with this tension. We, We looked at Jesus, and Jesus was referred to as a friend of sinners. But then we also saw in the scripture that we are to go into the world and to make disciples. And so there's a real tension that exists. How do we, uh, you know, be a friend to sinners while at the same time, man, we, we uh, honor God and live holy lives. And so there's a real tension that exists. I think many of us, we have to set some boundaries in, in friendships and in some relationships where we say, listen, I love you, but I cannot let you bring me down. I just cannot. I have to do this. God is calling me to follow him. I'm not saying that I'm better than you, but man, I just cannot go the path that you're going. Some of us are going to need to set those kind of boundaries. At the same time, we always love. We always love. A friend loves at all times. And so that was the the tension that we were uh, talking about. We have to navigate that tension throughout our lives. And listen, some of that tension is never going away. Some of that tension is just always going to exist. We're going to have to learn to live or navigate that tension. 
But when we love at all times, we're fulfilling the teaching of Jesus. In John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35, he said, So now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. For your love, one for another. Okay, not your knowledge, not your political views, not your theology, but your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. All right, it's our love that's going to prove to the world that we're really Jesus followers. But at the same time, we live in the tension of walk with the wise and become wise, associate with fools, and get into trouble. You cannot live the right life when you have the wrong friends. And so what we're going to do, and what we were encouraged to do, is we're going to do our best to surround ourselves, to have the right core of friendships that, man, uh, help us to be better, help us be closer to Jesus Christ, that sharpen us, that encourage us. We're going to have the right core of friends so that our roots will grow deeper, so that our love and our reach will grow wider. Now today, we're talking about what friendship isn't, what friendship is not. And to be honest with you today, uh, most, if not all, the points that I'm going to share with you are actually examples from my own life, okay? It's going to come from the school of hard knocks. And I stand up here this morning before you not as a friendship expert, okay? I have blown up some friendships. I have made some foolish choices in friendships. I have been a bad friend at times. And so I'm not standing in front of you as a friendship expert. But what I am standing in front of you as is someone who is trying to learn to be a better friend. That's what I'm trying to do. And so I, I'm speaking from that standpoint. I'm, I'm speaking from that perspective. Here, here's what I want us to do today. I'm going to talk about six different things that friendship isn't. Six different things that friendship is not. And what I want to encourage you to do is I want you to pick one or two of those things, one or, one or two of those that you yourself personally can get better at, that you can, uh, man, I, I think I can grow in this area. I want you to pick one or two of these things that we talk about. I think it would be unwise to try to tackle all six of them. It could be a little overwhelming, but I want you to pick one or two that you can get better at. And just so you know, this is not an exhaustive list. This is just something that some things that I learned uh, that I've reflected on my life when I've had, uh, you know, reflecting on my relationships, my friendships. Um, I communicated these points to the pastor team, and they were like, hey, this, this sounds good. Let's move forward with it. And so that's what I'm communicating to you this morning. So the first thing that we're going to look at is this. Friendship is not or isn't. Friendship isn't one-sided. Now, this is a friendship, like a one-sided friendship is is where one side is making most, if not all of the effort, to be friends. Like maybe you've had a friendship like this where it's like, man, I'm, I'm always inviting them, I'm always calling them, I'm always communicating with them, but I never seem to get anything in return. This could be a friend where, you know, this friend never attempts to reach out to you or call you and, uh, you know, to, to invite you to something. It seems like the only time they call you maybe is when they need a favor or they need you to do something for them. Uh, this is the friend that doesn't listen. Maybe you pour your heart out to this friend, but the next week you almost have to communicate the exact same thing because they just didn't pay attention to what you said. Um, it's a one-sided friendship. Now, will there be times when a friend is in need and you have to go the extra mile for that friend for a season? Yes, absolutely. But a friendship should not last that way forever. A friendship is a two-way street. It's mutual. 
It can't be one-sided. And the Apostle Paul put it best when he wrote this to the church in Rome. He wrote this in Romans chapter 12, in verse 10. The Apostle Paul said, Be devoted to one another. Be devoted to one another. It takes takes two. It takes two to have a friendship. It's a two-way street. You've got to be devoted to one another. And then he goes on to say, Honor one another above yourselves. So friendship is not one-sided. It's, it's a mutual relationship. It's, it's, it's a two-way street. Secondly, friendship isn't a savior complex. All right? This is something that I have struggled with throughout my life is, man, sometimes I, I'm a pastor, right? And I love to see people give their lives to Jesus and to see their lives transformed. But sometimes in relationships, I was more about trying to fix them or I was trying to save them. But you know something that I've learned in my life over time is that God has not called me to save people. I am powerless to save people. I cannot save people. God has called me to love people. And I'm trying to grow in that. I'm trying to get better at that. But we need to not have a savior complex. You know, I think, uh, you know, people that were wanting to save or fix, myself included, I think most of the time it was well-meaning. It was well-intentioned, but something that I've learned, once again, is that we cannot fix, we cannot save. We have to get to a place where we love someone as they are, wherever they are. Wherever they are, you love them as they are. What did Solomon say? He said, a friend loves at all times. It's not when they get their act together. It's not when they start voting like I do. It's not when they agree with me. No. A friend loves at all times. A little saying that I've kept in my head that's kind of helped me with this, and it's reminded me, because sometimes I'm guilty of just kind of falling back into that rut where I'm trying to fix people. But I've had to remind myself that people are not projects. Okay? People are not projects. I'm not trying to fix them. I'm not trying to save them. And so I keep that little saying in my head, People are not projects. It makes me think of the example that Jesus shared in Matthew chapter 7. Now, these are going to be some hard words from Jesus, okay? So I'm going to give you a little bit of an advanced warning. Um, Jesus is, is speaking very bluntly here, but he's talking about those of us that have a tendency to point out the flaws in other people, but maybe not necessarily work on our own flaws. He says this in Matthew 7, verses 1 through 5. Do not judge others, and you will not be judged. For you will be treated as you treat others. The standard you use in judging is the standard by which you will be judged. Ooh, wow, okay. And then he goes on in verse 3. This is a great example here. He says, and why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own eye? All right, so here's the imagery that Jesus is using. Here's, Here's my friend. He's got a little sliver in his eye. But here I have a big old two-by-four, you know, sticking out of my eye. It's like, bam, oops, sorry about that, but let me help you with your sliver, you know. That's the imagery, that's the picture that Jesus is painting for us. Verse 4, how can you think of saying to your friend, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't even see past the log in your own eye? Hypocrite, first get rid of the log in your own eye, then you will be able to see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. Man, isn't that, that's, that's rich right there. 
Man, Jesus is saying, hey, we're all broken people, and it would probably be better if you just worked on some of the things in your own life before you started pointing the finger into other people's lives. Friendship isn't having a savior complex. I want to remind us, Jesus is the savior. We're not saviors, okay? We're called to love. We're not called to save. Thirdly, friendship isn't easily offended. Friendship isn't easily offended. If we're going to love people always, we cannot be a people that are easily offended. If we're going to uh, love sinners, if we're going to be called friends of sinners, we cannot be easily offended. But we live in a time, okay? We live in a time, we live in a culture. I'm going to pick on our culture for just a minute, okay? We live in a culture where we are easily offended. I mean, we are offended at everything. We are so easily offended. And, and I want to encourage us in friendship. And we need to be a people that are not easily offended. Reminds me about the time a man went to his friend and he knew that his friend was easily offended. And every time he had a conversation with his buddy, he had to kind of walk on eggshells. You know, we've experienced that where it's like, man, I try to say everything right. I try to do everything right. But it just, I can't seem to do anything right. You know, it's that kind of a friendship. And he had something on his heart that he needed to talk to his friend about. So he approached his easily offended, uh, offended friend, and he was trying to say everything right. And he went to his friend and he said, well, to be perfectly honest with you, in, in my humble opinion, of course, without trying to offend you, I know that you think differently, you know, from my point of view, but I want you to know that I looked into the matter that we're talking about, that I'm going to bring up, and I, I consider different perspectives, and without being condemning of anyone else's views, you know, I was trying to be objective, and I was trying to consider everyone's, uh, you know, valid opinion and perspective, and um, I honestly believe that I just completely forgot what I was going to say, you know? Like, have you had that conversation where you're trying to say everything so right that by the time you get to the topic, it's like, what are we even talking about again, you know? Where you're just like dancing around eggshells because you know this person is going to be offended at something you didn't say right. We've had those friends, and maybe we've even been those friends. No matter how nice you are, they're offended at something. Once again, we've got to look to the words of Solomon. And this is what Solomon had to say in Ecclesiastes chapter 7. Verses 21 and 22, King Solomon said, Do not pay attention to every word people say. Man, don't, don't hang your hat, don't hang your heart on every single word that people say. You're going to drive yourself crazy. My father-in-law said it best. He said, that's why God gave you two ears, so it can go in one ear and out the other, all right? <laughs> you, you, you can't hang your heart on every single word. And then he goes on to say, or you may hear your servant cursing you, for you know in your heart that many times you yourself have cursed others. Wow. Solomon is really saying, hey, you need to give your friend a break. You need to cut him or her some slack. You can't expect them to say everything right all the time because you haven't said everything right all the time and you haven't done everything right all the time. You know, I think what it really boils down to is this word called identity. Is when we are trying to find our identity or our approval 
in a relationship or in a friendship. And boy, let me tell you something. If you're trying to find your identity, you're trying to find your hope, you're trying to find uh, satisfaction, fulfillment, purpose in a friendship or in a relationship, you will be disappointed because people will let you down. People will fail you. The only one that will not let you down is Jesus Christ. Our identity has to be in Christ because he will never leave you and he will never forsake you. Unfortunately, people will sometimes say and do things that are careless and blunt and sensitive or even mean-spirited. And while we can't, you know, we can't control the intentions, we can't control the behavior of other people, we can determine how we're going to respond. We can determine how we're going to react. And we can choose not to be easily offended. Once again, if we're going to be a friend of sinners, we can't expect sinners or people that are far from Jesus to act like Christians. Okay? We can't expect that. So if we're going to be friend of sinners like Jesus was, we can't be an easily offended people. Number four, friendship isn't, I'm good all the time. All the time, I'm good. All right? <clears throat> I came up with that all by myself, too, just so you know. <laughs> it's pretty awesome. Uh, <clears throat> what I was trying to say with that awesome statement right there was I think many of us have had friendships where everything is good all the time. It's like, man, they never have a bad day. It's like they never have a rainy day. I mean, like everything is good and all the time. They're just, they're just good. It just seems like their life is perfect. But what it boils down to is, Man, sometimes you struggle in that friendship because there is a lack of depth. It's like, man, it just seems like everything is just on the surface. And everything's good and it's all cheery and bubbly, but I don't think there's any depth to the relationship. I've learned some things in my life when I've had friendships like this, or maybe I've been a friend like this. A couple things that I've learned about this from the school of hard knocks. Whenever a friendship is lacking depth, it may be that you need to lead the way in being transparent. It may be because you're lacking depth. It may be. <clears throat> Maybe they're not being honest about their struggles because you haven't been honest about your struggles. And listen, this is especially true in small groups or in a discipling relationship most people will only be as vulnerable or as transparent as the leader is. No pressure, leaders, okay? No pressure, Pastor Justin. <laughs> it's like, man, we got to be real, and that's why I love our vision statement. It says imperfect people. We're trying to just, from, right from the starting line to say, hey, none of us here are perfect. We all have histories. We all have stories. We've all said and done things that we wish we wouldn't have said and done. We all have baggage, so let's just clear the air and say, there's no perfect people in this church, myself included. We're, we're all flawed. We all are damaged goods, right? So let's be real, and let's talk about how we can get better and, and, and closer to Jesus Christ. If a friendship is lacking depth, it may be that you're not being honest about some of your struggles. The, the second thing that I learned about maybe a lack of depth in a friendship is maybe you're talking too much. Maybe your friendship is lacking depth because it's all about you. 
You're always talking about you. It's you, you, you. But you're never listening. You're never taking in. And what it boils down to is maybe you don't care about what the other person is going through. Maybe you just care about your own world. And that can cause a relationship to be very surfacy. James, the brother of Jesus, he said this in a letter that he wrote called James. He said this in James chapter 1 and verse 19. I, I like to picture like if James was standing right here talking to you, he would say, understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. You must all be quick to listen. Like another way that I've heard it said that I love so much is you need to lead with your ears. You need to be quick to listen. Slow to speak and slow to get angry. I think a a good gauge on this for our lives, something that I might encourage you with, a good gauge is uh, you could ask yourself this question. Am I an asker or a teller? Like, do I ask people questions to try to learn about them, to try to understand what they're going through, or am I a teller? Like, I'm just telling them, telling them, telling them, because I don't really care about what they're going through. I just want to tell them what I'm going through and what I'm experiencing. Do you ask questions seeking to learn, or are you the one always telling people what to do because somehow you've come to the conclusion that you've got it all figured out or you know it all? Man, we need to be askers. We need to be people who are seeking to learn about each other. I think that'll help our relationships not to be surfacy, but to find some depth. Number five, okay, everybody doing okay? All right, everybody tracking along? All right. Number five, I, I'm just trying to encourage you once again. Hopefully some of this helps. Friendship isn't about comparison. Once again, just learning this through the school of hard knocks. And I I have to say, with all these points, especially this one, I want to encourage us, let's not be too hard on ourselves, because we all struggle with these, okay? But friendship isn't about comparison. And listen, comparing comparing ourselves to others is an age-old trap. I mean, it has been going on since the beginning of time, comparing yourself to others. And it's a trap that will either make you feel inferior to people or superior to people. And it's hard to get out of this trap of comparing yourselves to people because once we start, we find ourselves more and more enslaved to the negative thoughts of comparison. And once again, we go back to that word called identity. Like, what's your identity? And is your identity trying to find approval in other people's approval? Like, man, you're trying to get into this group of friends. You're trying to connect with a certain individual. And if only I could connect with them, man, life would be so good. Like, you care more about what they think than what God thinks. It's about identity. Many of us are looking to others for their approval. And somehow we think, man, it's going to make us feel better about ourselves. But the truth is, you will never find your true value by looking to others. So how do we break out of this comparison trap, Justin? Like, give me some helps here, man. And here's here's my encouragement to you this morning. To break out of this comparison trap, I think it would be a great starting point. I think a great place to start would be to, to, to see and to understand and to begin to learn what God thinks about you. And you might say, gosh, man, how do I do that? I'm like, man, you've you got to look to his word. And, and maybe you're here this morning and you're like, man, that's... 
that's a big old book. It's kind of intimidating. I don't know even where to begin. I would encourage you, man, talk to me as your pastor. Talk to your small group leader. Talk to the friend that brought you to church. And just say, hey, where can I begin to understand how God views me? And let me just encourage you. If you're like, man, I don't know what God thinks about me. God loved you so much that he died for you. I think you have some value. I think you have some worth. Man, if you could understand how God, the creator of the universe, the almighty God, if you could understand how he views you, gosh, man, it would awaken the courage within you. It would help you to believe in who God has made you to be, and you would be able to do great and mighty things through the power of Christ if you understood how God views you. Lastly, friendship isn't easy. Number six, you're like, Justin, how am I supposed to work on that one? I don't know. It's just point number six, all right? Um, It was just the point to say, hey, man, friendship is going to be messy at times. If you love people always, if you love people at all times, there's going to be times where they're unlovely. There's going to be times where you really don't want to love them. It's going to be messy. It's going to be dirty sometimes, and it's not going to be easy. For the remaining time that we have together, I want to talk about what friendship is. And I want to finish with something that we all can do to get better at being a friend, that we can get better at friending. You see, the reality is the only thing you need to have friends is a heartbeat. I mean, the only thing you need to have friends is you need to be alive. But in order to have friendships that have depth, in order to have friendships that build you up and encourage you to have lifelong friends, it takes so much more. And this right here, what we're going to finish up with, this is why following Jesus Christ is so important. This is why following Jesus Christ is so necessary because following Jesus will help you to become the friend that you want to be. It will help you to become the friend that you're looking for. Following Jesus will help you to become the friend that you want to be. Following Jesus may or may not help you meet someone new, but following Jesus will help you to become someone new. It's why following Jesus matters. It's why it's so important. Jesus summed up what friendship is in one sentence, and it's awesome. It's found in the letter that John wrote. Jesus was talking to his disciples, and his disciples didn't fully understand that in just a couple days he was going to die a brutal death on the cross. And Jesus was talking to his disciples, and he said this in John 15 and verse 12. He said, my command, okay, all the commands, Jesus was teaching, all the commands are summed up in this one command. He said, my command is this, love each other as I, Jesus, have loved you. Like this is the, the, this is the summary of what a good friend is. Love each other as I have loved you. I think the disciples were listening to this and they didn't fully understand that in just a few days, Jesus was going to put a demonstration of love on. He was going to demonstrate what love was in such a powerful way that would transform and change their lives forever. But here you and I are, we're on the other side of the resurrection and I think we can have a better understanding of like, wow, yes, This is what Jesus was talking about. 
we have a better understanding of what this kind of love is that Jesus was talking about. And see, what happens is, is we, we go to church and we hear these kind of sermons about love. But I think what we don't fully grasp or understand is what kind of love is this? What kind of love is this talking about? How do we really grab a hold of this love and begin to practice it in our lives and begin to live it out in our lives? Let me encourage you, this kind of love that Jesus was talking about isn't some kind of permissive, figure-it-out-on-your-own kind of love. This is the kind of love where you put the other person first. That's the kind of love Jesus was talking about. This is the kind of love where you lay down your life for a friend. This is the kind of love where you defer to the wishes or the thoughts of the other person. This is the kind of love where you forgive regardless of the offense. This is the kind of love that takes everything that I have going for me and I make it available to you. This is the kind of love where I do to you like my Father through Christ has done to me. It's really learning, all right? It's, it's about learning how and allowing that love that God has for you to begin to flow to others. It's, that's really what I'm talking about here this morning. Specifically, those of you that, have, that you have a friendship with, that you have a relationship with. Man, that one sentence from Jesus Christ is the summary of what friendship is. And I think if we practice this as a church, as a family, as uh, married couples, you know, as just in any relationship that we have, if we begin practicing this and begin to say, hey, what does this really look like? What does it really mean to love others the way Jesus has loved me? What does that mean? How does that look? How can I really grab a hold of that kind of love? I think if we just started trying, if we just started walking in that direction, I think our church, our marriages, our friendships, our lives, it it would be amazing. I can't even put it into words. I think we would see and experience love like we've never seen it and never experienced it before. If we begin to love each other like Christ loved us.